Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad you are on this warm but pleasant Wednesday, June 21st. I'm Kelly Sander along with producer-engineer Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson off for a little while. Bob Getty feeling a little bit under the weather. We hope he gets uh, feeling better and will join us tomorrow. Joining us on the program momentarily will be J.R. Teague, the athletic director at Southeastern Louisiana, who, um, of course, made a name for himself at Pearl River Community College, and that school continues to make a name for him as one of the field houses there is named after J.R. Teague. He was on the selection committee that named the regional sites for the NCAA baseball tournament, and now that that's all kind of behind Southern Miss fans, we can talk uh, a little bit more without being so emotional Uh, about it and why Southern Miss didn't get a regional bid, although obviously the Eagles got a super regional bid. A little bit later on in the hour, we'll be talking with Bob Matthews from Washington, D.C. Bob is a Southern Miss graduate, and the Bob Matthews podcast is one of the most downloaded podcasts on the East Coast. He covers the Washington Commanders, formerly Redskins, also the uh, Washington Capitals hockey team. But we're going to talk about the Washington Commander's love for Mississippi football players and get his view on uh, what's going on at Southern Miss. Bob Matthews to join us as well. First segment of the program today brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue. Smoked here, loved everywhere. As you start making uh, football plans for tailgating, uh, leave the cooking to Dickie's. Whether it's a party of three or a party of 50, they can take care of it with all the great side dishes. And uh, Dickie's a favorite place to take your family for a sit-down meal as well. We're glad to have them as part of our family here on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. J.R. Teagues joins us now. He is in Omaha, Nebraska, site of the College World Series, where as a member of that selection committee, he, uh, of course, has to work, has to actually work uh, the World Series. And we welcome you, uh, Coach Artigues. Glad to have you with us. Again, background, you started at Pearl River. You coached some baseball there, became the athletic director, and then as time went on, uh, athletic director at Southeastern Louisiana. You guys are kind of in transition with your baseball program as Matt Reiser has moved on to Memphis and Bobby Barbier comes in from Natchitoches where he was the pilot of the, uh, of the Northwestern State Demons. But let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the selection process. You know, a lot of people were pretty hot under the collar in Hattiesburg here as to why the Eagles didn't get that, didn't get that bid. And of course, we know you're just one of several people on the committee, but Overall, a lot of the country is is getting a little bit fatigued with the whole SEC thing. You you get that, right? 
Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, this year, talking about the SEC first, it's probably the strongest that conference has ever been. And I'm not an SEC guy by any means. But when you look at it this year from top to bottom, it's probably the strongest league's ever been. And obviously seeing, you know, with LSU and Florida and Tennessee and all in the World Series, you know, it's hard to keep those guys out of the host talk. You know, it's well Southern Miss. I mean, Southern Miss had an unbelievable season. Couldn't be happier for Scott Barry. What a way to go out. But, but and when you guys discuss those things, and and of course the athletic director at at Auburn, Mr. Cohen said he you know recused himself from those discuss. But I mean, you know, it's it's tough not to when the boss man, even though he might be in the other room, it's tough not to say, yeah, we're we're not going to put your team as as a host. I mean, it's kind of like voting voting for your kids and all stars, right? Your buddy might be in the other room, but you know you're going to put him on there. <laughs> no, I tell you, being in here, it, it's opened my eyes a lot. I got a heck of a lot of respect for this committee. You know, the work that goes into it. You know, I, when I coached at Southeastern, it was several years. I was frustrated, won forty something games, a couple of times, ranked seventeenth in the country, and didn't get a, a bid. And now I see why. You know, being in there and kind of seeing all the details that go into it. You know, Southern Miss had a strong resume, obviously. Yeah, to me, RPI is flawed a little bit, as everybody will say. We got to improve how we grade RPI, but right now it is what it is, you know. And I think if Southern Miss would have been a little bit higher at the end, like they were when they finished at the regionals, they would have had a stronger case. But you know, it was just there's so many deserving teams this year. It was, it was a tough decision. All right, so we so let's talk about then the Tennessee decision against Southern Miss. It came down to Tennessee or or Hattiesburg, Knoxville or Hattiesburg. So what do you think? And I know this is just your opinion, but what do you think swayed it in Hattiesburg's way for the Super Regional when, when Tennessee is one of those SEC powerhouses you're talking about? Well, you know, if you look at all the breakdowns between Tennessee and Southern Miss, Southern Miss was on top of everything pretty much. You know, and then last year they both hosted. They put bids in. Southern Miss had a higher bid than Tennessee did. You know, and it comes down to all those. You look at a little bit of everything. Southern Miss, when it came down to those two, was really ahead in every category. You know, they did a great job putting themselves in position. You know, a lot of teams moaned and griped when they didn't get a region. So they just went to work, did what they're supposed to do, and had the opportunity to host the Supers for two years in a row. And that speaks volumes of that program and where it is. So if baseball, if college baseball is to become more of a, of a national sport, one of the arguments that, that coaches have made and media people, although they're not near as important, we know that, but if you're to make college baseball more prominent on the national scene, what do you do to get it out of the southeastern part of the United States? You have a small state like South Carolina that had three regional hosts. And you don't want to take anything away from those teams. But, you know, when you're sitting there in Colorado and, you know, maybe even Kansas, Oklahoma and some of these places – Arizona, I don't even think, got a bid this year. Any place in Arizona. It's pretty tough to, to make it a national sport when all of the focus is kind of in one region. Is that a fair argument? Well, it's easy to say they didn't get a host. I mean, you got to deserve it first. I mean, you can't just give it to them because where they located. they got to earn it and deserve it. And if you look at the investment that teams that are hosting and have put into baseball compared to the other ones, you can't just give it to them because where they are and feel bad. Well, you didn't get the host, so we'll give it to you. It's not that easy. You know, they got to earn it. Just because they're not, you know, different locations doesn't mean that's why they get the host site. So you can't go by, well, North didn't get one, so let's just give it to somebody. Not when somebody else earns it, you know. But I think it just comes down to investing a little bit more in that sport, which your priority. You know, we'll probably never host a hockey match here, you know, because it's not something we invest in. You know, some schools don't want to invest in baseball. 
You know, if you talk about out, you know, USC's building a brand new stadium and it seats 2,500. You know, if Southern Miss builds a new stadium, I promise it's going to seat more than 2,500. So it just comes down to what you investment in and, and putting investment and time into it, just like those teams that are hosting did. One of the arguments that, that, I, that I made uh, that, that most everybody seems to shoot down, and this is a great country because we can agree to disagree, but the NCAA in basketball you know, has one of, the, one of the things that makes March Madness so magical is that you have all these regions from all over the different parts of the country at, at neutral sites. You know, when, when you have teams that are good and then they get the added bonus of getting to play on their home field, man, that's a huge advantage. So why not play at neutral sites and let different cities and so on uh, bid for these tournaments? Well, you're kind of comparing apples to oranges. You know, basketball is more about TV revenue, you know, and that's where most of the NCAA money comes from is, is college basketball. You know, so you're comparing apples to oranges. You know, I think a neutral site for regionals would be kind of a tough gig, you know, especially with the, you know, you look at how many people host the different sites, excuse me, attendance-wise. I think that would be a tough sell. You know, I really like having it on campus. It's a heck of an atmosphere. You know, I got to attend uh, the, the Super Regionals at Southern Miss this year, and, man, what a tremendous atmosphere. I saw some of the regional at LSU. And, you know, if you talk about Cinderella stories, I mean, hell, Oral Roberts is a four seed, and they're sitting here playing in Omaha, you know, so – you see it all the time. You're starting to see it even more and more in college baseball because there's so much more parity. Schools like Southeastern, like Gold Roberts, are investing in their sports to where it's not unheard of now to see a four-seed pop a one-seed and get into Omaha just like Old Roberts did this year. Yeah, we were kind of, other than, other than Southern Miss, because of the Southern Miss ties, we were kind of pulling for a team out of, out of your uh, Southland Conference, the, the Colonels of Nichols. Uh, a lot yeah. of Southern Miss coaches, you know, have have some ties there. So uh, the Colonels, you know, had a great season. So they were they were kind of that Cinderella story. All right. So J.R. Teagues, as we continue this discussion, um, what what could you do to wave a magic wand if it were entirely up to you? Uh, and nothing is perfect, obviously. But if it were entirely up to you, how would you tweak the system? Well, you know, I think it always needs to be tweaked a little bit every year, just making adjustments. I think we really need to take a hard look at RPI. I, I do think that kind of handicaps some schools geographically. So I think, you know, one way is let's just say you reward teams that travel more than, I'm just throwing a number out there, 400 miles to play a game. If they get a win at 400 miles away, I think that goes a long way as well. You know, some teams figure this RPI out for scheduling. They know how to manipulate the RPI, and I think we just got to do a better job of, tweaking that to go back to your original statement how that would benefit teams all around the country and not just geographic and one of the things that that fans seem to make a comment about and, and really administrators was the high number of games that were canceled the last week yeah. or two of the season so what what gives yeah. there and how do you how do you remedy that well that goes back to what we just talked about the rpi you know it's it's a way to manipulate the rpi and you know, to me, if it's not good for the college athlete, then we shouldn't do it. You know, and, and you know, let's just say they cancel a game and it's against the teams, the off is really low. Well, that kid, that team might have a kid, this is his last college game. We might have two or three left. We're taking that away from them just simply because we want to manipulate their RPI. I think we as the NCAA have to do a better job of setting the parameters of the RPI, and that will really that happen. That's not good for anybody when they have to cancel to help them RPI We're going to continue our discussion with J.R. Teagues, athletic director at Southeastern Louisiana, a member of the Selection Baseball Committee for the NCAA, after this commercial break.
Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They have trivia there a lot at 4th Street. A little bit different. It's not your packaged trivia like a lot of the different companies. Uh, Booty, the bartender there, actually puts together uh, trivia. So a lot of it has to do with the city of Hattiesburg, Southern Miss. It's pretty cool when they play trivia at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They're always doing something. Uh, Golden Tea, which is the... The machine where you can play golf. They've always got drink specials. And the TVs always have the best sporting events on. Great time, always, at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Southern Miss fans only hang out there. Uh, it's in a shadow within the shadow of the rock there, just over the bridge on 4th Street. 4th Street Bar and Grill. We're proud to have them as sponsors of the Eagle Hour. We go to the nation's capital now, where our friend Bob Matthews joins us. Bob is a graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi. He is proud to say that he was an SAE. He still has fines that have not been paid at the registrar's right. office <laughs> yep absolutely right still has park- paper just to get my diploma still has parking tickets that have yet to be paid but um yeah his my parents have gotten so much mileage out of that story it's not even funny <laughs> the bob matthews podcast uh you want to check it out as Bob uh, keeps everybody on the eastern seaboard up to date with what's going on with the Washington Commanders and the, the Washington. Bob, you don't do the Nationals much, though, on huh, baseball? Uh, I, I do a lot of watching of the Nationals, yeah. uh, although it's been fairly painful. But no, my, my beat is primarily the Commanders and the Washington Capitals. Gotcha. The NHL team. So well, well, let's start. We're gearing up, yeah, we're gearing up for the draft. And, uh, and uh, uh, the Caps. Uh, American uh, Hockey League team is playing Game 7 of the Calder Cup Finals tonight. So we got a lot of prospects playing for them tonight. So that's good. Well, we'll all in South Mississippi sleep better knowing that the, the hockey situation. In- <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. Yeah, they're out, they're out in the Coachella Valley. They're in Palm Springs playing Game 7 tonight. So. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Commanders. And apparently the Commanders really like football players out of the state of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Um, you know, Emmanuel Forbes was uh, was their number one draft pick this year, a cornerback. Uh, they took him over Christian Gonzalez from uh, Oregon, who was, you know, considered to be, I guess, best. It was a little bit of a surprise, and, and, and the Patriots jumped on him with the next pick. And, you know, not all, and of course, Montez Sweat, who had a fantastic year last year and has got the commander's front office now trying to figure out, who do you pay um, in the next offseason? Do you because they didn't pick up uh, Chase Young's fifth year option? So you got do you pay Montez Sweat next year, or do you pay Chase Young because they're not sure that they can uh, that they can pay both of them? I'll tell you what though, Chase Young is a darn good football player, man. I I, I, was, I thought it was a major mistake that they didn't pick up the fifth year option. I can quote you chapter and verse on it, but you know the guy was the second overall pick, and you're talking. You're still only talking about a, a fifth-year rookie option. I don't. I, I didn't get that that move whatsoever. But that could be why Ron Rivera may be out of a job after this year. So we'll see. Well, meanwhile, over in Dallas, America's team, the Cowboys, took Eric Scott from Southern Miss. So you're going to get uh, you're going to get to see a Southern Miss guy there with with the Cowboys. What uh, in the front office of Washington? How do they think that that division? Of course, the Eagles are still the team to beat. I'm guessing, but uh, yeah. How the, how do they think that things are going to shape up as we we just got done with OTAs here and the camp's going to open here within the, the month or so? Yeah, about uh, about six weeks from now. Um, it, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. It's I, I can and you know I don't know that Denny will actually like this forecast. 
I can get them to about nine wins looking at the schedule right here and now, but I don't know that I can get them any, any further along than that, and I don't know if that's really what you want going into the season. They've got, they've got obviously, a fantastic defensive line. Um, you forget that there's a kid, Fedarian Mathis, who they drafted last year that wrecked his knee in the first game of the season that's going to be back. So the defensive line is going to get even deeper. And between Forbes and the rest of the defensive backs, they think they've got a pretty solid defensive backfield, too. They've got weapons on offense. The question is just, is Sam Howell the answer at quarterback? And more importantly, can the offensive line, which is going to have four new players on it, protect him long enough for him to kind of get his feet under him this year? Well, we'll find out soon enough, and I know uh, yep. fa- fans uh, can't wait. I mean, the NFL, no matter what, with all due respect to the USFL and the XFL and some of these, it's, the NFL is king, and and I don't see it. Uh, I don't see them giving up that throne anytime soon. Do you? No. Well, and up here, what they're what what people are holding their breath about most is they just want the the paper, the uh, ink uh, dried on the uh, on the sale papers. Uh, so Dan Snyder finally. <laughs> hands the keys over to uh, to Josh Harris and his group. That really, I mean, and you, you lived it every day, but, but is, it, oh, yeah. is it too strong of a word, Bob, to say that that whole ordeal was an embarrassment? As far as the sale goes? No, no, just well, the whole Snyder ownership. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's been an embarrassment for years. I mean, almost, really almost since he took over. Um, it'll go down in history as probably he'll go down in history with all due respect to uh, Charlie Finley and Donald Sterling is probably the worst owner in all of sports. I mean, it's amazing to think where the then Redskins were when he bought it in terms of just their place in in the the public zeitgeist and and where they're at today. Um, they're not an afterthought by any stretch of the imagination, but they're you know they're surely a, a shell of what they were when he bought it. And I don't remember which of your colleagues that I was reading some of his work, but but he made the and I'm paraphrasing here, but he made the assertion that had Dan Snyder not been such a boob, that <laughs> there might not have been this big push to change the mascot name. What say you? Oh no, I I think he could if he had. If he had played the game right, I think he could have held on. Um, I, I think instead of saying we're never changing the name and you can use all caps and not being just a first-class jerk, yeah, he could have. I think he could have very easily made the argument, look, I understand what people are saying, but words have meaning, and we, re- we really feel in our heart of hearts that when you hear the word Redskins these days, you think of the football team, you don't think of it as a Native American slur, but what we're going to do is, I think if they had gotten rid of the logo, I think they could have kept the name. Um, you know, but of course, but that never happened, and and you know that's why we are where we're at today with a with a truly horrible nickname for this franchise. I got to tell you. Well, because because the the logical argument, and people have said this, they said, well, the Hunt family in Kansas City has been so mm-hmm. respected for so many years. You don't hear anybody in Kansas City even talking about potentially changing the Chiefs nickname, right? Which isn't a whole lot different than the Redskins name. So so why is it good for the goose but not for the gander yeah. in this situation? And I think it's a fair question, yes? Yeah, well, I, I, I think the Hunt family has a lot to do with that. I mean, you can also make the argument that the word chief is not a pejorative, where 
Redskins at one time, and you know was. You also have you also have the very complicated history with the um, with the franchise itself because the man who who founded the franchise, George Preston Marshall, was a virulent racist, and it was it was it's well documented. I mean, when the, he was the last owner to to integrate to have a, an African American player. Um, and he only did that because the federal government said he wasn't going to play at RFK Stadium or even build it if, if he didn't integrate the team. Yeah, he was quoted as saying, I'll have black players on my team when the Harlem Globetrotters have white players. So to me, it, it, it kind of springs, it's kind of fruit from a poison tree, if you ask me. And that's why we got to the point where, where we were at. So it could have been, very well have been that, that, that Snyder couldn't have you know, done anything about it, no matter what, you know, no matter how good of the PR game he had played. Bob, let's let's talk now a little bit about your, your days at Southern Miss. My son tells me all the time, he says, Dad, you were you were only in college for a limited number of years, 12 to be right. exact. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I'm with you so far. Um, what, what was it about your time at, at Southern Miss that, why are those college years so special, even though they're very minimal in number mm-hmm. they're just so memorable and i know i know you thoroughly enjoyed your time in hattiesburg i would have to say alcohol probably <laughs> be the number be the number one thing yeah i think it's it's a time in your life i think when you're you know everything is kind of out ahead of you and you know it's it's when you're at your most impressionable and you can you know you can make friends and bond over some shared experiences that you're kind of at the height of freedom at that point, so I, I think that's why it it sticks like it does. I mean, I've got a group of guys that uh, we still get together every year for uh, you know for a golf weekend. So it's uh, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. I think human nature, maybe. Well, I just I don't understand with with the massive popularity that your podcast has on the East Coast that the SAEs in Hattiesburg have not. Oh have not, you know, made a note of this and used you as a as a fundraising person and a keynote speaker and and erected a statue uh, you for know, you. I, I I completely agree with you. But you know, I had a lot going on. So I, I you know, it's, it it would be hard to fit them into the schedule. I don't know that I could give them the attention they probably deserve. So yeah, that, that could be a little could have a lot to do with it. Say hey, Golden Eagle football coming up this year uh after after a bowl victory last year, Bob. Uh, th- things are, are looking up. We'll check back with you maybe next time, and uh, and you can just prior to the season, maybe we'll get your your over under number for the Eagles in in wins for college football. How's that sound? Most definitely. How's Getty doing? He's got to be ecstatic with the whole news of the sale, right? Who's? Oh, oh yeah, but yeah, he's feeling great about that. He's a little bit under weather today, but that he's feeling very good about and regrets that he's not uh, here today to get to talk to you about it. Bob Matthews, the Bob Matthews podcast, available on all those different podcast forms. Bob, thanks, buddy. Good to talk to you. Anytime, Sandman. See you later. All right. Bob Matthews with us. We've got some awards to give out. Well, the conference, the Sunbelt Conference, to some Southern Miss athletes. We'll talk about that when we return. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at D1 and D-Bat Baseball and Softball Academy. You'll never hear the kids say that it's too hot or it's raining and it's too wet. It's always air-conditioned and bright sunshine, so to speak, inside D1 and D-Bat. You can check them out for their summer camps that they're going to have, too, to keep the kids busy improving their skills, whether it's just physical fitness or baseball and softball. D1 and D-Bat Baseball and Softball Academy. A shout-out to our friends at Mobay Beignet. That's uh, real close to Campus Bookmart, if you know where that is. They're also right across the street from the main entrance to the campus. They don't even make the beignets until you order them. That's exactly how fresh they are. And that uh, powdered sugar and the different uh, toppings that you can put on there, they have a different flavor every month. The flavor of the month, Mobay Beignet, the official beignet store of the Eagle Hour. We're glad to have them along as well. Tomorrow on the program, Dr. Jim Call is going to be joining us from Southern Miss. We're going to be talking about the origin of the phrase to the top. I was kind of intrigued by that because as I was traveling overseas, and we talked yesterday about this when I was at the Heathrow Airport in London, I was wearing some Southern Miss garb and three different people shouted to the top. So it's obviously caught on uh, if it if you didn't think it had up until then, even overseas. So Dr. Jim Colby will be talking to us about uh, how it originated and the process of, of the school coming up with that phrase. Also, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com with his weekly update. And speaking of NOLA, the U.S. Football League, the USFL, has announced its uh, all-USFL teams. Two of the New Orleans Breakers were named to the all-pro teams today, running back Wes Hills, Wes Hills of the Breakers. At running back, he's on the all-USFL team, as is guard Paul Adams. Congratulations to them. And the Breakers are one of only four teams in the USFL that are still playing because they're down to the final four, so to speak, in the USFL. The North Division Championship will be this Saturday night. The Michigan Panthers will play the Pittsburgh Maulers. That game will take place in Canton, Ohio, on Saturday night, and that'll be televised by NBC. And then on Sunday, the South Division matchup, which will feature the Birmingham Stallions and the aforementioned New Orleans Breakers. The Stallions had the best record in the league this year. The Breakers had the second best record. Anyway, they're both playing for the South Division Championship. That'll be played in Birmingham this Sunday night at 7, and it'll be televised by Fox. So good luck to the Breakers uh, in the semifinals of the USFL. And, of course, the two winners will go on to play for the USFL Bowl or the World Bowl or whatever they call that. That'll be on July 1st. Now, back at home at Southern Miss, a, a, a special salute to two Southern Miss athletes who were awarded with academic scholarships by the Sunbelt Conference. Lots of times we get to know these youngsters as as athletes, obviously, on an athletic program. But we forget sometimes that they are students. And good for them that I.C. Cockerham from the women's golf team was awarded a $3,750 academic scholarship from the Sunbelt Conference for her 3.86 GPA grade point average in accounting. She is going to stay at Southern Miss and work on getting her master's degree in accounting. And then... From the track and field team, a salute to Dylan Evans. Dylan gets also that academic Sunbelt scholarship, $3,750. Had a 4.0 in political science and legal studies. Now, if there's anybody that should study legal things, it would be people in politics because apparently nobody's... <laughs> 
Nobody's following the laws anymore, are they, Michael? Particularly they ever? politicians. They write the laws. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean they have to follow them. Right. right. They just write them. But he's going to go on. Dylan Evans going to go on to Baylor to get his doctorate. So let it not be said that some some of these athletes are pretty good students. And you too. look at the, actually the the number of student athletes, the the graduation rate for a lot of these schools is a lot higher than what you would think. They're not just there to play sports. And you look at the number of athletes, even with Southern Miss, that are successful and do extremely well, but they decide not to go on professionally, go into their said career and do amazing things. And a lot of them do have the heads up and, and the common sense to know, look, even even if they can play at the next level, you know, an injury could happen. They've got the forethought to know that, that the, the the education really is the bedrock of of what probably how they're going to make you know their living as time goes on. Right. So um, so good for them. Uh, coming up in in July, we mentioned that media days for football uh, will take place July 25th and 26th in New Orleans, and all of the Sun Belt coaches and select players will be making their way to the Crescent City, and we're going to be down there um, getting some things in the can, as they say, with all the different coaches and players as football getting ready to take center stage now as the College World Series begins to wind down at what we used to call Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha, and then then we've got the summer to get ready for football, and it'll be here uh, before you know it. So thanks to our guest today, J.R. Teagues, the athletic director at Southeastern Louisiana University, a member of the selection committee for the college baseball tournament this year. Had a say in who got the, the regionals and, and, uh, and how it happened. And Bob Matthews of the Bob Matthews podcast. And again, a Southern Miss graduate now doing some great things out on the eastern seaboard. Hopefully Bob will be feeling a little bit better tomorrow. But again, we look forward to Jim Cole and Patrick McGee joining us tomorrow on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.